right? But let's pray that God will bless the Word this morning. Y'all ready to jump into the Word and see where God's going to take us? Amen? So let's just pray that God will, will use me. I'm His servant this morning. Pray that God just use me in the way that He wants to. Father, God, we come to You and we thank You so much for this beautiful day that, God, you have given us, Father. The sun is shining on the outside, and man, oh, man, oh, we're feeling the sun shining on the inside this morning. And we just pray that, God, that there are people here that they're faced with many different situations, God, many different trials, maybe health issues, financial issues, God, emotional issues, or whatever that they're going through. And I pray that, that this morning that they will find the peace and the answers that, God, that they need. And I pray that, Father, that you will use me as your servant. God, I yield myself to you. God, I give you myself. Use me, God, in however that you need to use me. Let me get out of the way in the flesh. And, God, I pray that, Father, that I will, that I will yield to the Spirit. God, it's not my words, but your words be done, God. And I just pray in Jesus' name that, Father, that people are going to leave today changed by the power of your word because God you say in the word of Mark that God we shall know that truth and that truth what's going to set us free that that's what's going to make us and keep us free and God that's what they're going to see this morning that's what we're all going to experience is the truth of your word in Jesus mighty name amen we ready to dive into the word this morning uh again as, as you as you already know I, I've been preaching standalone messages and I really feel that that this season that we're in, that God is wanting to give me now messages for, for the season. And so week after week, I've just really been praying, Lord, where do you want us to go? And I've really been praying, and the Holy Spirit has really poured in my heart that he wants me to share on winning the lost, getting people saved again. And I titled this, Getting Your Passion Back. Getting your passion back. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever saw a person, I mean, totally passionate and, and have a burden for the lost people? Have you ever met people like that? Have you ever known someone like that? Uh, I, I've, I've known people over my life. There was a young man in our youth ministry years ago. This guy was on fire I mean, you couldn't stop him. He didn't care where he was at. He didn't care if he was in the store. He didn't care where he was at. He was going to go tell you about Jesus. That's just the way that he was. He had this passion, and it's almost nothing was going to stop him. And we have people in our church like that, too. Uh, Rachel Fitch, where she, she's not with us this morning. She'll probably be next over. I mean, she's just all about inviting people to PDY. I love that passion. And, and, and many of you all, are the, Bryson and, and, and his wife as well, they, they both have a passion to be able to minister to people uh, and invite people. Denny has a passion. He's always, you know, you'll know them. They'll be kind of up in your business. <laughs> oh, they don't care. They just want to, to, to tell you about Jesus. I remember back in college, I had an, a passion to minister as well. And I, and I set my apartment up. And I started inviting people over, all these guys, and we was having Bible studies, and I was praying, Lord, just give me some money to buy food, and maybe they would help bring food, and I would cook it, and after we would uh, eat, th then I would say one requirement, I'll make the food, you bring it, I'll cook it, but yet you got to stay for the Bible study, and I was passionate. Now, back then, I was fairly smaller in size, I'm not talking height-wise, I'm talking a little bit around, anyway, I was a little smaller, probably about 125 pounds wet. 
But these big guys would come over. I mean, there was this one guy by the name John. He was about 325 pounds. He was a football player. This guy come over, and he really didn't know what to think about all this, this Jesus stuff and all that, but he just come for the food. But I never forget, I had so much passion for the Lord. I didn't care about that at that moment. I said, John, you need Jesus, man. You need to accept Jesus in your life tonight, right now. I, I tell you, right now, get down right now on this coffee table and start praying, crying out to God. Make him the Lord of your life right now. And he goes, okay, okay. And then big old guy... He gets these big elbows, and he puts them on my coffee table. Now, but we didn't, I didn't have a lot of money. My, my furniture was just rickety already. He busted my coffee table with his elbows. He's crying, Lord God, forgive my sins. Come and Lord, save me. And he jumps up. He's so excited. He's jumping up. He said, I feel awesome. This is the greatest. I've never felt this way before. And he grabs me, puts these big arms around me, and he's jumping up and down. And I'm like, okay, okay, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And it, but... I never forget that. But here's my point. For whatever reason, I look around and I'm going, where'd that passion go? And even in my own life, it's like people beat you down and, and people will, will, you know, will say, I'm not interested. I don't want to hear about it. And it gets you a little discouraged and you lose that passion. And I really believe it's the enemy trying to steal that passion that we should have in our heart. But we, uh, the question is, let's get this passion back. Where did this passion go? And I'm going to take you to a guy, my favorite in the Bible, Paul, where Paul had a passion to win the loss. Now, if I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but every city that Paul, the apostle Paul went to, he planted churches, didn't he? Every city, he'd plant churches. Why? Because he had a burden and a passion to win people to the Lord. He wanted to get people saved. And so what I want to do is I want to show you the passion that he had. And I'm going to take you to this scripture, and I want you to see this passion that he had to win the loss. Now, how, and by the way, how many of you would love to have that kind of passion that Paul had? I mean, I just I want that passion. So let me show it to you. And by the way, Paul said, I'm telling the truth three times. Now, you hear me do this. Where's Sue Cox here? Yeah, okay. I go, I'm telling you the truth. And she said one Sunday, well, you've been lying to us? But we're even. I got her back at the senior adult dinner the other day. But anyway, we're all, but it's funny. We have fun around here. But the reason why a pastor will say, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying is because they're passionate about what they're talking about. And so here's the thing. And this message was for Sue this morning because she's ripping on me about this. So I'm going to show her my mentor did it too. Paul, the apostle Paul did it too. So here we go. You ready? Watch what he says. I speak the truth. He's talking to, to the church here in Romans 9 verses 1 through 3. I speak the truth. There's the first one. He, he, said, he says it three times. In Christ, I'm not lying. There's the second time. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. There's the third time. He said, I'm passionate about this. I'm telling you the truth. My conscience is, is, is bearing witness with the Holy Spirit here. I'm telling you, I'm not lying. And watch what he says. Watch this passion. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. 
for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of of my people, those of my own race. What Paul was saying is this. He said, I am not lying. I am so passionate about getting people saved that I would die myself and go to hell so that they can live and go to heaven. That's how much passion that Paul had. But here's my point this morning. Have we forgotten? Have we all forgotten that? And so, 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 but anyway, but Paul, Paul had this passion, this burden. But here's my question, is where did this passion come from? Where did he get it from? He got it from God. And you know what? We can get it from God too. And you have a passion. You have a burden. I guarantee you. You let somebody attack your kids, you would die for your kids, wouldn't you? You're passionate about your kids. Trust me. You're passionate about your grandkids. Just this morning, here's somebody, look at the grandkids. And then everybody says, oh, look at mine. All the phones are, look, look at mine. You're passionate about, about that, and we get this from God. We all have this burden. And so here is the question that we're going to try to answer this morning. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Am, am I passionate about people getting saved? Let me ask you this question before we, I'm going to ask you this question. How many of you are glad that you're saved? Amen. Are you thankful? Yes. Are you excited that you're saved? Yes. But here's the question. What happened to our passion for the lost people, and how can we get it back? And we're going to talk about this, and we're going to look at the life of Paul and how that he was passionate, and there's points in our life we're passionate, but for whatever reason, things happen, and we lose this passion a little bit. So there's three things that I've noticed here about Paul as I studied this and about how he had this passion for people. And so we're going to look at how he had his passion, what we can learn about getting this passion back for the lost people, okay? So you ready? If you're taking notes, write this down. So number one, number one, the first thing we can learn is we have to understand what lost people feel emotionally. We can't forget this. You, you remember what you felt when you were lost? We have to go back and remember and understand what lost people feel because every lost person goes through this right here. I'm going to show you in this scripture. Let's go to the scripture. Okay, you went through it. We've all been through this in Ephesians 2 verses 12. But my point is this, is we have to remind ourselves what we felt when we were lost. Now watch this. At that time, you were without Christ being aliens from the, from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. Now watch, now here's what every lost person goes through, even you, having no hope and without God in the world. That's what every person, every one of us, we have all gone through that. That's what Christians go through. They have no hope. They're hopeless and they're helpless. They, 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 they have no joy. But every single one of us, here's my point. We have got to, we got to remember, have we forgotten what we went through before we got saved? Have we forgotten that? Have we forgotten that we were without hope one day? Have we forgotten that we were without joy? Have we forgotten that we were without, without happiness and peace in our life? Because what happens is, is once we get saved, we have a new life. And, and here's the thing, we don't want to go back. And that could really be a tool that the enemy uses to keep us from seeing what others are going through. Because we're living in this incredible life now. 
And so in, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, listen to what he says here. This is Paul. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. He was describing what every lost person goes through right there. So I'm so thankful for funerals that we have that people serve the Lord. I was so thankful for Kendra's sister. I'm so thankful for uh, Debbie Baxter doing funerals for people that are saved. You know what they've done? They have given their family hope that one day they'll get to see them again. And so this is what Paul is talking about. So he's describing what every lost person goes through. And here's what we have to be careful of is when we see people, we automatically look at the exterior and forget about the interior. Don't we? We'll look, at, we'll, we'll, we'll look at everything they have. But let me go ahead and give you this truth. Believers can forget what sinners go through because we live in the blessings of God. And this is where I got that this morning. When we are saved for so long, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I don't want to go back to that old life. I don't want to talk about no joy. I don't want to talk about no victory. I don't want to talk about no happiness because I'm now living with happiness, joy, and peace, and I'm hopeful. I'm not no longer hopeless. But you have to remember that when people walk in this door, if we look on the exterior, we're in trouble. We can't be fooled by the big houses, churches. We can't be fooled by the nice cars. We can't be fooled by the big titles that they have. We can't be fooled by all the money that they have. Because I'm going to tell you, a lost is lost. I don't care what you have. If you are lost, you are hopeless and hope. you have no hope. You have no joy. You have no peace. But they can hide behind that. And so every time we see people walk in this door, we have to look at them as a potential person that's lost. But, but what ha- we get intimidated by what they have. They might have more than us. They might have bigger titles than us. But the bottom line, when they're lost, they're lost. And let me give you what God does. God doesn't see mansions or shacks. He only sees lost people. And this is what we have to see. And if we're going to get this passion back, we got to quit looking at the exterior and start saying, God, let me see what's inside their heart. Don't be afraid of it. I don't give a rip what they are, who they are. I don't care if it's a president of the United States. If he needs Jesus, I'm going to go up and say, hey, you need Jesus. Amen. You got to have the Lord. That's the only thing that's going to change your life. And if you get Jesus in here, I didn't change a country too. Hallelujah. Amen. But what happens is, is we get intimidated by who they are and what they are, what they wear. Quit it. Don't let the enemy do that to you. Some of the greatest people who's ministered to me were people who had nothing. I had a young teenage little boy who had nothing, but man, he put the fire back in me, man. He come and said, Pastor Greer, I'm like looking at him, I'm like, man, I'd love to have this fire that he has. So he wasn't intimidated by me being his youth pastor. He was just telling me about a savior. So number one, if we are going to get this passion back for the lost people, we have to understand what lost people feel Okay, we have to understand, we got to go back and remember what we felt. Hopeless, no hope, no joy, no peace. And when they walk in this door, there's somebody here this morning that you don't have hope, that you don't have that peace, that you don't have that joy. And so listen to me, 
But today you can make him your Lord. You can have that hope. You can have that peace. So understand what lost people feel emotionally. If we're going to get this passion back for lost people, we have to go back, be reminded what they go through. And here's the second thing that I learned here from Paul is that we have to understand that lost people are condemned already. Do you know when we're born, we're sentenced to die. We're sentenced to go to hell. For by one man's sin entered into the world, death was passed upon all men. So the moment we're saved, we are sentenced to death. But thanks be to God, our Lord and Savior came and he sentenced us to go to heaven. When you, uh, believers are now sentenced to go to heaven, let me show you. I love to back it up with the word. So we all on the right page. Watch what it says in John 3 verses 18. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is what? Condemned already. Sentenced to go to hell. Watch. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. Now, I looked the Hebrew word up for condemned, and I came up with this word, krino. That is the Hebrew word for condemned, and this is its only meaning, sentenced to death. So when a person is born, they're automatically condemned. We don't need to bring condemnation on people. They're already condemned. What we need to do is speak life in them. What we need to do is say, we have a Savior that can get you out of this spirit of death and bondage and that death, hell, and the grave. And I got somebody that can give you life again. And his name is Jesus. Listen, can you tell I'm passionate about this this morning? Why? I said, God, give me a passion so that as I'm passionate, you can be passionate as well. Because I get excited when other people are excited. And so God says, if you want the people to be excited, you better get excited about winning people to the Lord. I mean, I can't wait to after church. I want to go tell someone about Jesus this afternoon. I'm going to go look at that little waitress and say, Jesus loves you. She says, I know what I'm saved. I'm like, yeah, high five. Let's go find somebody that's not saved. Right? Let's keep looking. So I want to keep going. I don't want to get ahead of myself. So here's the second one. Again, we got to understand what lost people, that they are condemned already. And so it means sentenced to death. And you know one thing I'm learning about this, and as I was studying, if we can't believe in a hell, we can't believe in a heaven. Why? Because the Bible teaches us and speaks about both of them. Do you know even Jesus Christ himself spoke more on hell than he did heaven? Why? Because he doesn't want anybody to go there. Let me show you some scriptures. Hell is all through the Bible. And do you believe the Bible? How many believes the Bible? How many believes this is the infallible word of God? Amen. How many believes this is the truth? How many believes that there's no mistakes in it? Yes. If you believe there's mistakes in it, you might as well throw it away and, and get rid of the religion. Get rid of your, your, your belief in God because you cannot. Listen, God is a God who's omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. When you begin to study the attributes of God, God is a God that cannot change. God is a God that, that cannot lie. If he says, you shall know this truth and this truth shall set you free, he can't lie. It is the truth. Right. It's perfect in every way. But there's people, oh, now, there's flaws in there. No, there's not. I've read it hundreds of times from front to back. The reason why there's flaws in there because people take that little bitty scriptures and try to make their own theology out of it. No, you read it from cover to cover. I'm telling you, it's beautiful. It all backs up each other. It does. You will, it's amazing what God's word does. Let me show you some, some scripture on hell. I know you all wanted to come and hear positive message. I'm going to tell you about hell a little bit, okay? <laughs> don't, go, don't get ahead of me. <laughs> Matthew 10, verses 28. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both what soul and body in where? Hell, right? 
Now, this is, this is Paul speaking in Matthew 13, verses 40. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. Hell is not a good place. Now, I'm going to read you what Jesus said. And if Jesus said it, I'm going to believe it. And man, he turns it on really hard right here. This is the words of Jesus, the, the guy that, that died first, the guy that we have record that he walked, he lived, he breathed on this earth over 2,000 years ago. This is what he said. And if he said it, we need to believe it. Amen. Now watch this. This is his words, talking about hell. Mark 9, verses 43 and 48. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell. Oh, he said it. To go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. It's a place that's it's constantly burning. 44, where the, wor where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. That's Jesus talking. Let's keep going. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet and be cast into hell. He said it again. Into the fire that shall never be quenched where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. It's going on and on and on forever and ever and ever. A place of torment. Come on, Pastor David. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into what? Into hell fire. Now, why did Jesus teach so much on this? Why did Jesus constantly tell us about hell? Why? Here's the reason why. Because God doesn't want his people or anyone to go to hell. You know why? Because hell was not created for man. It wasn't created for us. Amen. He created a heaven for us. Amen. I get so sick and tired of people saying, why would God ever send somebody to hell? God has never and will cannot send people to hell. Man sends himself. The question is, why does man send himself to hell? Why does man not want God? Why does man not want to accept eternal? Why? Who would want to do that? Yeah. No, what we do, we, we don't want responsibility. We're trying to throw it back on him. Nuh-uh. If I die and go to hell, it's because I did it. God gave me away. And it's called, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, and we try to change that too, whosoever should call upon him shall be saved and have eternal life. Amen. But now you got religions. Well, there's, there's only certain groups of people. Oh, I get so frustrated with that. They, that, those are, those are, they, they, don't, they don't understand the attributes of God. When you learn the attributes of God, God is a God that can't lie, and God is a God who cannot change. If he said it, you could take it to the bank and leave it there. It cannot change. So I'm not going down that gnarly path with any of us. We're going to believe that God says whosoever shall call upon his name, shall be and will be saved. He will never turn anyone away because he loves his children. That's why he sent his son to die for everyone, all of us. 
Let me prove you that, 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 that hell is real. Watch. In Matthew 25, verse 41. Depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire. Prepared for who? For who? Imagine that. For the devil and who else? His angels. It was never prepared for us. It was never created for us. But you know what? Man has a free will. You have a will. And God's not going to interfere with that. Would it, be, it wouldn't be fun for him if he created you to be a robot. No, you've got to go to heaven with me. No. You're, it's, more, it, it's, it's fun when your child just obeys and does the right thing. Amen. You're rewarding for that. But you know what? You've got kids. They're either going to serve God or not. You've got kids that's going to walk away, walk out of your family and do that. You, 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 you can't control that. God's, God's experiencing the same thing. His kids are walking away from him, leaving his home, heaven, for something else. And it's called pride. It's called greed. Amen. But he says, let's avoid it at all costs because it's a real place. But thanks be to God, God gave us his son to redeem us, to sentence us to heaven. But the devil's going to try everything he can do to steal, to kill, and to destroy, to keep us from going to heaven because he wants us to go with him because he hates God. You know, there was a real survey done many years ago. And, and this survey says, now listen to this. I didn't put it up here. I probably should have put it up here. 71 to 75% of Bible scholar students that's in Bible universities, out of the eight university seminaries that they're in right now, 71 to 75% of them. These are men and women who are studying to be pastors of the churches in the world. 71 to 75% of them do not believe in a literal hell. That's scary. And they're getting ready to be released in the world? Oh, it's okay. There's no hell. Are you kidding me? When our Lord inside, I just read to you what our Jesus still told us. It's, it's a literal place. And you see, the enemy knows that if he can get us to believe that there's no hell, we won't, we won't have a reason to, to, to encourage people to accept Jesus. The reason why we're doing it is because God just wants it. He has a place for us, that he loves us, and he wants us all to go there. He doesn't want anyone to be exempt. And you know what? One thing, let me, by the way, by the way, do you know the Bible talks about, about uh, a heaven it's, uh, heaven is mentioned 167 times. I'm sorry, uh, the hell is talked about 167 times. And Jesus taught on it 33 times. But yet we have people denying it. When we have, the Bible talks about 100, it's, why don't you just get rid of all of it like they try to do everything else? Live and deny. Live, deny it. Some people think denial's a river down in Egypt somewhere. That's the Nile River, not denial, Okay. <laughs> Accept responsibility. Quit trying to deny it. No, it's there. But you know what? If you're born again, you don't have to worry about it. We're on our way. We got a free pass to heaven, baby. You know, let me put this up here. I, I put this in my mind. To deny there's a hell is to deny Jesus Christ because he taught on both of them. Isn't that good? You can't, you can't have one without the other. Gee, why would he teach on both of them? He did. And you know what? There is a place so, but if we don't believe in a hell, we won't really have a passion to win people to the Lord because the enemy's good. He doesn't want us to know that. 
Amen. So number one, if we're going to have our passion to win the loss, is we have to understand what lost people feel emotionally. Number two, we have to understand what lost people, you know, that they're already condemned already. They're already sentenced to die, right? Now, here's the last and final thing, and, and I'm, I'm wrapping it up. The third one is, is that we have to understand that Paul had compassion for the lost. Not just passion. There's a difference between compassion and passion. And I'll get to that here in just a minute. But when we get saved, God gives us compassion. Did you know that? Yes. He gives you compassion. Yes. He does. The enemy tries to steal it. God put that burden. You know, I had, I had compassion when I got saved. You remember when you got saved? Amen. I wanted everybody to get saved. I was just like, I like, you need Jesus, man. I mean, I was going over every, I tell man, you got to get saved. This is amazing. I had compassion. And I just didn't tell them. I wanted them to. I was going to them, and I was telling them about this Savior who could save them and set them free. And understand this, though. The only burden, put this up here. The only burden that we should have is for the lost. That's it. That's it. The only burden that we should ever have is for the lost. That's the only burden that we should have. Now, Let's keep going here. Let's keep moving to the next slide. Let me give you this. So people say, well, what do you do, Pastor Gary, with my family? What do you do with our kids? I shouldn't have a burden for our kids. I shouldn't have a burden for my marriage. No. <laughs> you give that to the Lord. We should have a burden for the lost. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In Matthew 11, verses 28 and 30, it says, come unto me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will what? You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is what? Is light. God says, if you have a burden, no, look, look, don't, don't carry the burden for your family. And I, look, give that to me. I want to trade you my burden, which is light, for your burden, which is heavy, right? The only burden that we should have is for the lost, for people to get saved. We give our families to the Lord. We, we trust God take care of them. Now, now we, we care because here's what happens to a lot of people is they allow a burden to become a problem in their life. And it creates a problem for you. No, 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 no. That's why he says, give it to him. You cast it on him. But our burden should be for the lost people, for the lost. Now watch, again, only burden we should have is really for the lost. In Romans chapter 10, verses 13 and 14, let me read this to you. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Now it's coming together now, what God has called us to do. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And this word preacher here is all of us, not just me, talking about the body of Christ. How can they know it if we don't tell them? At some given point, we've got to step out and go get them. Let me tell you the difference between compassion and passion. Compassion is passion in action. It means we're going to get up off of our chairs and get outside the church and go and get them and tell them about Jesus. There is Forty or fifty to fifty-five percent of the uh, the people driving by this church will never come into this church ever. You know why? 
they don't have a reason to come into the church. And they're doing every church in America that way. That's why we have to go get them. If someone is going to get saved, we've got to get out of our comfort zone and go out and tell them about Jesus. We got to step out of the churches. We got to step out of our homes. We got to step away from work. We got to step out there and go and get them and tell them about this Savior. But here's what happens Have you lost your burden? Have you forgot what it's like to be lost like them? Aren't you thankful that someone was looking for you so that you could get saved? Something worse than being lost is being lost, no one looking for you. Man, let's get a passion. There are people lost and dying just like we once were, but without someone looking for them. No, not this guy. I'm going to start looking, Jesus. I'm going to start finding them, Jesus. I'm going to start telling them about you. Because you know what? I believe the day and hour is getting shorter and shorter and shorter, and Christ's return is going to come soon, a lot sooner than what we think. Amen. Amen. Come on, all the worship team. Let's just say we'll have a whole party up here now. But if you've lost that passion, I want you to remember this. Remember, remember what lost people feel. Hopeless, helpless, no joy, no peace. And and secondly, remember that lost people are condemned. They feel this condemnation on them. They're sentenced to die a death and go to hell. But Jesus come to give us life. Let's not forget that. We all felt this. And lastly, Paul had compassion for the lost. And my prayer this morning is say, God, give us all compassion. Let us get up and go get him. Let us get up, God, and do what you called us to do. Let's be passionate once again to see people come to know the Lord. I'm going to tell you, if you want to see this church grow like never before, and I don't care about growth. I care about souls. That's all I care. I care about the mission of getting people saved. I want to have a heart like Paul did. God, God, if I have to die and go to hell so that they can go to heaven, God, that's how passionate I want to be, the same way that Paul did. But if you want to see any church just explode, let the body of Christ start winning people to the Lord. We would double, triple, just like that. When we get our passion back, let me tell you what God's word tells us to do. When we get that burden back, people will get saved. They'll just get saved. It just comes with it. In Luke 14, verses 23, then the master told his servant, go out. This is compassion. Go out. This is more than passion. Compassion is passion with action. Go out. Get out of the church. Get out of ourselves and go out there. What? Onto or out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them. Be urgent, be passionate about it to come in so that my house will be full. I think every Sunday people ought to be lined up outside saying, is there a seat left? No, we're full. Come back to the second service. And then the second service, line up, is there, are they full? We're full. Let's come back to the third service. Now these guys' eyes popping. No, it's the third service. They're lined up. No, come back to the fourth service. I think that's the way that God should intend it. I believe let's just fix it up for once and for all. Let's just build a building to house them all in Jesus' name. And we're going to do that. We're going to do that. And by the way, you know where I got this passion from? I'm just going to be honest with you. And I told you I'm going to tell you guys what's going on. I'm going to take you through every step so nobody goes into the community and says anything weirdo. Okay? Let me tell you. I'm going to have a little business meeting real quick. You all know that the mayor called me and asked us, would we be interested in a mid-American science park? 
And I thought, okay. A spark was lit inside of me. Now, that's a great idea. Woo. Okay. But then he called me again this week and said, oops. You know how someone gets the cart before the horse or the horse before the cart? He kind of got that way with him. And he did a little research and digging, and he realized that the other mayor had it set so that there's no way po- no one can build by that. Impossible. The reason why was because Mayor Graham signed a 20-year contract with the federal government, the IRS, because the IRS, the federal government, gave them a $4.5 million loan on that. And if they sell it within 20 years, they got to give $4.5 million back to the federal government. So needless to say, no one's buying that building. (laughs) Not us. But here's what that did. It sparked something in me, Denny. It's as, it's as if God used that to say, son, you've got stale. It's time to build that building again. Let's don't get unfocused, but let's get back. Let's be passionate about building that building soon so that we can house the people all in one service. I know this team would love it. But what's it going to take? It's going to take getting our passion back for the lost. Are you comfortable where you're at? Are you just comfortable? Listen to me. Don't forget how you felt before you got saved. Don't forget what you went through. Hopeless and helpless. No joy, no peace. But aren't you thankful I'm standing, I'm standing in front of a group of people that you are hopeful. You got joy. You got peace. Amen. Living inside of you. You know why? Because you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. And you're on your way to heaven. Now let's go find others because I guarantee you, if you're excited, they'd get excited. Oh, they may give you a hard way to go at first. I don't want to hear that. Well, I'm going to tell you anyway because I'm compelled about this thing. So amen. I'm going to pray that God gives us compassion again and God gives us passion and God gives us a burden for the lost again. It's so easy to get caught up. It's so easy. Don't, don't look at the exterior. Forget about the big houses. Forget about the cars. Forget about everything that they own. Because trust me, that's a, that's a distraction. You put your big boy britches on. And you walk over and you say, in the name of Jesus, God has deputized me. Has given me authority to speak his love and his power in Jesus' name. And I'm going to speak it over somebody's life. I don't care what they are. I don't care who they are. They put their pants on the same way I do. One leg at a time. Ain't nobody better than you, and I'm not better than anybody else. I'm just a child of the living God on my way to heaven that I'm passionate about getting people to know Jesus. That's our number one goal. Amen. Father, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you, God, that I believe that, God, that you're beginning to pour passion back in us this morning. I believe that, God, that there's some people sitting here that they've gotten a little stale. And, God, it's time that you shake them up again. God, I pray that we'll go back to the day when we first received you as our Lord and our Savior and how that day, it changed our life, God. Take us back. Let us begin to remember that, Jesus. And I pray that, God, that there may be someone here that don't even know you yet. And God, we've given them every reason this morning to say, I want this Jesus. I want to make him my Lord. I, I need him living in my life. I don't want to be sentenced to hell. God, I, I pray that, Father, that you will sentence me this morning to heaven. Because, God, you've given us away, and his name is Jesus. He's paid it all for us. And I want to thank you, Jesus. I want to thank you, God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 